0: And greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. I pray you had a blessed week and we arrive on the seventh day, the Shabbat of Yahuwah. Greet one another in the chat, those of you that are participating today. And remember, do keep those connections going. Connect with one another six days a week at TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect. Give us some thumbs up and do subscribe to the ministry channel while you're watching right now. And if you're watching later, then put some comments down in the comment section and edify one another. We're in the Torah portions. And this week we are in the life of Joseph still. This week's Torah portion is entitled Vai Gash. It is where, of course, chapter 44 of the book of Bereshit, Genesis, it's where Judah Vai Gash, he draws close. He comes near. He comes near. And that is what I want to focus on today. Vai Gash. Drawing close and coming near in a world where they are Distancing everybody. So this week's Torah portion, you're going to see how conviction, repentance, and acceptance brings about full health and healing. And that is what is going, I pray, to come into view today. The events in the lives of the patriarchs, brethren, are prophetic shadows of the future events in our lives And the lives of our descendants. There is so much to learn here in this Torah portion. And I don't believe health comes from being socially distant. I believe health comes from drawing near. That is what the scriptures would teach. And I understand that secular humanity will take the opposite track. Because that is a broad road that most are traveling on and it will be their destruction of their mental health of their emotional health and of of course their spiritual health so you can choose what you want to do if you want to stay distant then you stay distant but as for me i want to follow the scriptures and i'm admonished and i admonish you draw close Chapter 44 and verse 18. It is written, "Then Judah came close unto him and said, "O my master, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my master's ears, and let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. Or well, what distance is too far?" Is it six feet? Is it 12 feet? Is it total isolation? And how close is too close? What distance is too far? And how close is too close? Joseph, of course, is a parable of Yahushua ben Joseph. We can see that from John chapter 1, verse 45 and John chapter 6, verse 42. Who is this? Moshiach ben Joseph. The world puts distance between man and man, between man and his creator, between spirit and spirit, between race and race. But Yahweh asks us to put all of the distance aside and come together, draw near. But the world wants to put distance between us and Joseph. Sin puts distance between us and Joseph. Hardness of heart puts distance. Unforgiveness puts distance between us and Joseph. If Joseph is a metaphor for Moshiach, and how close is too close. How can we work on getting closer with Moshiach ben Joseph? Can we get too close to him? No. But we can get too close to Moshiach ben Yosef in our ideas of him, in our doctrines of him, because then it stays in our imaginations. We can get too close in our doctrines. We can get too close in our ideas when they become so self-consuming. Now, the first time Judah came close, it melted Joseph's reserves and his mercy and his forgiveness covers all the sin. No matter how long Judah had been carrying it, no matter how deep he had tried to hide it, Joseph's mercies and his forgiveness covered all sin. Now, contrast that. With earlier, because in verse 18, we see then Judah came close unto him and said, oh, my master, let thy servant, I pray thee. So finally, what breaks down the distance is the intimacy of prayer. But contrast that with a few chapters earlier in chapter 37 and verse 18 where it is written. And when they saw him afar off, socially distant, he was a long way from them. Even before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. Because distance creates conspiracy. Intimacy exposes truth. Why do they want to keep you all distance? Because when you come close and start intimately communicating man and man, brother and brother uh, with one another, you will start to see the truth. But isolate and lock one another away from each other and conspiracies of murder will ensue. Distance or closeness, distance or closeness. The choices we make in regard to this or the things that affect these can either bring sin and death or, conversely, closeness through prayer, through healing, through restoration, just to be around our fellow man. It really is all about intimacy, isn't it? An intimate relationship with one another, spiritually, with trust, with friendships. An intimate relationship with Moshiach ben Yosef and being transparent so that we can draw close in trust together. An intimate life must be other people-centered, not self-centered. And an intimate life must be present It cannot be past and it cannot be future. And I'm going to be preaching to myself today. And I pray that it ministers to some of you. Because the future and the past are distant. Are they not? The future and the past are distant. We only see things imagined. Because when you remember the past, it's not quite how it was. It's how you imagined it was. And when you have visions of the future, it may not even happen. It's your imagination. And it keeps you from being close. Because in the present is the only place that touches eternity. And eternity is where the Father and the sun reside so Satan and this world wants you and I to forever be either in the past or the future but not close in the present think about that it's deep And I pray it impacts you as it has impacted me. Our relationships and everything in life that is truly important to us is close. It's now. It's present. Who we're with and how we act in this moment. I can choose to keep the commandments in this moment or disobey them in this moment. I can choose to be righteous in this moment or its intimacy this moment touches eternity. The past and the future, they do not. So therefore, this world and Satan wants to keep us in the past or focusing on the future. So then we're not intimate in the presence of the Lamb, of Joseph. Distance creates fear. It causes us to doubt or to live for the shadows. Oh, you know, I'd like to do this in the future. Now I'm living for the shadows. Oh, well, you know, I'm just the way I am because of back here. I'm living for the shadows. But now I can be anything that Yahweh has made me to be. Presently, because presently I can commune with the Father and the Son in eternity. Our present time is the only time that touches eternity. It's the only time. If you are of the Son, then you are an eternal creature from now on. And therefore you must live in the present. That's the only place for the believer to live. The world will live in the past and the future because that is the land of Satan. That is the land of Pharaoh. That is the land of conspiracy to distance one another. When we live in this way, in the life of being present, we become more powerful. Because we can experience what Yahuwah is doing now. We experience the love and power of relationship now. Judah embodies the spirit of Moshiach ben Yosef. He is willing to give up his life for the love of the Father. It's Joseph's manner that brought Judah near. According to the ancient commentary, Judah's approach to Joseph consisted of three different tactics, which really embody the world's approach to the crucified and risen Savior. Number one, war. Number two, appeasement. And finally, number three, verse 18 of chapter 44, prayer. Number one, war. How does the majority of the world that wants to distance itself from one another and from the creator, how do they approach the crucified and risen savior? Well, you just go out there and start talking to them about it and you will find hostility and war. How many are at odds? How many are at variance with the idea of a crucified and risen savior? How many are really anti that? How many are anti the thought of a crucified and risen Savior? Then, you do have the scanty pockets of those that do believe in a crucified and risen Savior. But then, when you dig a little bit deeper, you will find that they are at odds, that they are at variance with the true Messiah who did not abrogate the Torah, and did not abrogate the Sabbaths, and did not abrogate the feasts. Most are at war with Moshiach ben Yosef. Now, the second approach is appeasement. It's hard to find really devout, on-fire believers, isn't it? I mean, it is hard to find. Most appease. Most are kind of lukewarm. They're really not engaged in the present fight and struggle that we should be in as believers. And the biggest struggle that we have is what? Our flesh. You're not my problem, I'm my problem. He's not my, I'm my problem. I have to overcome the flesh. And it's a struggle for righteousness and it is a present, ever present struggle. My favorite chapter in the book of Romans, most probably Romans chapter seven. I say it often. Finally, the third approach to Joseph is prayer. And that is when everything changes. Prayer. When we come to the end of ourselves, just like Judah, we first accept and cognize our fallen, sinful state. And then, when? Then we realize that there is no righteousness in us. Let her be burnt, Judas said when he came across Tamar, didn't he? Let her be burnt. And then he realized, no, 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 no. She's the righteous one. I'm the one that should really be burnt. That is then the inception point that should lead us to the sinner's prayer which appears in Scripture right after the 13 attributes of the Father. It's all about coming into the love of the Father. Judah mentions the Father in his petition to Joseph 15 times. It's for the love of the Father that Judah is willing to make himself surety. It's for the love of the Father... The true Joseph will not seek his own, but he will lead you into a deeper love and honor for the Father. I remember when I was back at Calvary Chapel, you know, back in the traditional Christian church, and it was all about Jesus, singing to Jesus, praying to Jesus, 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 everywhere. And I was like, you know, I didn't grow up in traditional Christianity. And I was like, well, yeah, I get this Jesus thing, but man, why does nobody talk about God? God the Father. It was all about, and then when I came into the Torah, the son led me to the father, and I got to see the father, the expression, because ultimately the son is the redeemer. Yes, we know, but he leads you into a relationship of maturity with the father. You can stay in just the son, but the son's person. Purpose is the blood redemption that draws you into mature walk and the father always seeks for maturity. The son is full of mercy and grace to get and invite you into the family. But once you encounter the father, you kind of sober up with more of a responsible, present walk. It's called The meat of the word. So this is what we see. Now the sinner's prayer is not a Romans chapter 10 idea. Paul does talk about it to the Romans. Yes, for sure and for certain. But it comes from Exodus chapter 34 verse 6. And this is where the sinner's prayer comes from. Exodus 34 verse 6. You've heard me say it so many times. It is part of my daily prayers. Yahuwah, Yahuwah Elohim. Merciful, gracious, and long-suffering. Abounding in goodness and truth. Who extends mercy to thousands. Forgiver of iniquity, transgression, and sin. Who by no means clears the guilty, but visits the sins of the fathers to the children's children's children, to the third and fourth generation. But we don't stop there. Yahuwah, the sinner's prayer. Now, on the end of that 13 attributes of Yahuwah, we find in verse 8, And Moshe made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped, and he said, If now I have found chen in the Hebrew, chen or ratzons, another Hebrew word, what we would call grace. Chen, ratzon, or grace in thy sight, O Yahuwah. Let Yahuwah, I pray thee, go in the midst of us. Draw close, v'yigash. Draw close to us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for thine inheritance, which is Israel the treasure buried in the field this is the sinner's prayer and it's tacked right on to the end of the 13 attributes of Yahuwah because you do not want the sins of the fathers to go down to the third and fourth generation you want the son to come in and intercede for you in verse 9 and have chen grace kratzon mercy covering you this is the sinner's prayer Paul talks to the Romans about this in the 10th chapter But it's a Torah principle. There's so many metaphors in the life of Joseph, isn't there? So many metaphors. Moshiach ben Yosef, the metaphor of metaphors. Now, Judah, looking at the metaphors here, I'll give you a few. Now, Judah could be a picture of a converted individual who has encountered the Savior, the bread man of life, Joseph, in this instance, a metaphor for Messiah ben Joseph. Once we encounter Messiah ben Joseph, our nature changes to one of repentance. That's what happened with Judah. And here we see Judah is ready to give up his natural man for the love of his brethren and for the love of his father. Fifteen times. Five, ten times he mentions the father in chapter 44, verse 18, extending to verse 34. So in chapter 44, between verse 18 and verse 34, 15 times Judah mentions the love of the father. Judah is interceding for his brethren because he loves the father. Of course, this is so reminiscent of the Lion of Judah interceding for his brethren for the love of the Father in heaven, isn't it? I did not come to do my will, but to do my Father's in heaven. Father, not my will, but let your will be done. But please, if you can, can you take this cup from me? Joseph's cup, would you take it from me? Well, no, you're going to have to go through the trials too. Not your will, Father. Not my will, Father, but yours. I mean, find the metaphor in the narrative. It's everywhere, dripping, dripping, dripping. Fifteen times he mentions his father, Jacob. For the love of the father, he will repent for his judgment and rejection of the son, which caused great grief and sorrow to the father. You see, Judah knows the hurt of the father through the son. And then, when? Then... That's when Joseph is revealed. Are we at the time of the revealing of Joseph to the house of Judah? Well, that remains to be seen. But remember in John chapter 8, in the 19th verse, it is written, Where is your father? Yahusha said to them, You neither know me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. Isn't that reminiscent of our narrative right here in the Torah portion? They stood right before him, Joseph, and they did not know him. Because they did not yet have repentance in their heart and they really didn't have the love for their father. Because Jacob says later in the narrative, my days have been long and evil and few. He was 130 years old. He said, my days have been long, evil, and few. Well, in in relation to the patriarchs, his 130 years were few. But man, had they been evil. Think about it. Think about his life. It was one of family discord from inception, from the struggling in the womb between him and Esau and then his uncle coming along and tricking him and then his wives and the problems and then his sons and it went my days have been few and evil joseph makes his no know, himself known to us when we repent and when we become intimate and we become close we become close Genesis 45, verse 4. Bereshit 45, verse 4. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. So prayer is always part of the intimacy. If you and I want to be intimate together, what's the most intimate thing that we can do together as brothers? Is to pray together for one another. To anoint one another with oil to be Mickford and to have fellowship together, table fellowship over Scripture. This is how we're to live. And the fifth verse, it is written. Well, let me go back to the fourth verse. And Joseph said unto his brothers, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. And now be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for Yahweh did send me before you to preserve life. My life has been preserved. My life is preserved. I was a zombie for 24 years, a walking dead. So, death, where is thy sting? What can this world do to me? Really? I already lived as a dead man, but I'm alive. What can this world do to me? And the unbeliever does not understand the the absolute paradigm shift of true conversion. And faith does. You're invincible because of the blood. Because we can touch eternity present. But how do I find myself in peril? when I start to think about what could happen in the future or what I imagine did happen in the past. And that is where the world wants you to socially distance, because that will keep you locked up. That's the lockdown. That is the lockdown. Oh my goodness! This is going to happen. This could, this could happen if you don't. You need to surrender this, that, and t'other so you can get the oh, future. 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 Oh, but in the past. Past. Oh, this had and so many, and this, and they all died, and oh, they're sick and did it. Past. 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 But presently, hang on. Presently, I have my. I'm. I'm. I'm redeemed. I'm a man of faith. Um. All of my brothers and sisters around me are men and women of faith, and when we are together, um, and we pray, and we break bread, and we have the feast and the sap, uh, and we help one another out, and it's amazing. And it, it matters not where we are from. It matters not what nation we're from, what color our skin is. It matters not because we will be intimate as one. But the world will say, oh, no, no, they're like this. They hate one another. Oh, no, because they do not. They said it about him. Right? right. But intimacy is the present. And that is where the power is at. And that's why they try to keep everybody distant. Nations, peoples, tribes, colors, right? Or you pigeonhole, 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 pigeonhole. Because they understand us not. Because what is so dangerous to Egyptians is a mixed multitude, a multi-ethnic group plundering the world, coming out together with home-born, strangers, foreigners, all grafting into one and coming to the mountain and making repentance and becoming intimately close. That is terrifying to the Egyptians. They hate the shepherds. They hate the shepherds. And we follow the great shepherd and we're all to be shepherd servants together, right? We're Jacob's flock. Right? This is powerful. This world does not want you to comprehend what is in this Torah portion. Does not want me to comprehend it and to live it. It is power, power, power. Verse 8 of chapter 45. Now, it was not you that sent me hither, But Yahweh, and he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, a master of all his house, and the ruler over all the land of Egypt. Now, we'll skip down because we've got a lot to cover. Verse 14. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck, and he wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. This is the revealing. This is the revealing of Joseph. And he kissed all his brethren and he wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talked with him. Now, I like the parallel verse here in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 9. It's powerful. They shall come with weeping and with prayers. I will lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of the waters in a straight and narrow way. They shall not stumble in it. I am the father to Israel. And Ephraim, that's Joseph's son, is my firstborn. Joseph's son is my firstborn, says the prophet Jeremiah. This speaks to the redeemed of Joseph who return into new covenant Israel under the watchful eye of of the priesthood of Melchizedek. Because Joseph's love, Moshiach ben Yosef's love is overwhelming. We know from the Torah that the animals in the Torah died to enact Yahuwah's will. It was a temporary covering. But Moshiach ben Yosef died to enact the will and he rose to enact the vow. What did he just say? I'll repeat that for you. Messiah Ben-Joseph died to enact the will and he rose to enact the vow. You see, the Torah had the will. And it spoke of the promised vow. You see, the new covenant had the will and it delivered the vow. Torah on its own is void of the fulfilled vow. Yes, it contains the promise. But once broken, how can that promise deliver? Think about this. It must have a delivery system. The vow of Torah had to become flesh to enact the will. Because I live, you shall live also, is the life of Joseph, is the life of Messiah ben Joseph. Because I am the first fruits from the dead, you shall also likewise be first fruits. This is the life of Joseph wrapped up in the Messiah, Ben Joseph. Now, some of you are going to have to skip that back. You know, that's like me making the sound of an old vinyl record. Because I used to be a DJ. No, I didn't. But I I wanted to be. All right, steady on there. Brian. behave yourself. Oh, sorry, it's Ryan, isn't it? so mix a lot (laughs) look chapter 45 verse 5 Elohim sent me before you to preserve life verse 47 of chapter 45 Elohim sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance isn't that what it's about there's a remnant in the earth and they're going to be the draw close people they're going to be the draw close people They're not going to be the socially distant people. They're going to be the draw-close people. And by their fruits, you shall know them. Moshiach ben Yosef is sent to the grave to preserve a great remnant on the earth to save our lives by the resurrection, which, of course, is what 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20 says. But now is Moshiach is risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Right there. Sound effects day to day, eh? Hey? Apparently. Verse 21 of chapter 45 And the sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh, and he gave them provision for the way. To all of them he gave each man changes of raiment. But to Benjamin, he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. And to his father, he sent after this manner: 10 asses laden with the good things of Egypt and 10 she asses laden with grain and bread and provision for his father by the way. The metaphor, Moshiach ben Yosef will provide for us As we leave Egypt, if we change our filthy garments for what he gives, which is chen, ratzon, grace, and we take the redemption, the silver of Joseph, he will laden down the ten tribes, that's Ephraim, Joseph's son, and they will plunder Egypt for the whole house reunification with the father. One stick in the hand of Joseph. You see, silver is man's money. And 300 is numeric for ransom or kippur. Kippur. And five is chen, grace, ratzon. Favor, grace is the son showing us the love of the father through his five books of Torah. Torah is really the garment change in our life, is it not? Therefore, the atonement, the kippurah, the Kippur, the atonement price and Torah were given to Benjamin. What, what does all this mean? Standing before Joseph, as we stand before Joseph, Mashiach ben Joseph, only one in ten is completely restored. There were 10 lepers that you think were completely restored, but only one of them was really, truly restored because he returned. So what does that say? Ten are not full family. They are only half brothers. Now, do you feel that? About some who claim the sun yet deny the Torah? Especially at this time of year, right? They're all claiming the sun, but they deny the Torah, and you're like, well, they kind of feel like half brothers and half sisters. They're kind of clothed in Santa and Saturnalia, and they really should be clothed in the Shabbat and Shavuot, but. They're really half-brothers and sisters. Yeah, I kind of can relate, but... Uh, and if I really start drilling down into Moshiach ben Yosef, they're not going to go with the Moshiach ben Yosef I follow. Because their one is dressed up as Santa and Saturnalia. They're really kind of half-brothers. Really kind of half-sisters. And we can only go so deep. If you really want to get intimate there's going to be an offense. Though they've changed garments, their sins are forgiven. They are not living like full brothers as Israel, as fully grafted Israelites, as Hebrew Israelites, because they hastily put on the garments of papal religion rather than the garments of Joseph's Torah. I did not come to do away with the Torah, to bring it in its fullness for you to live. Be perfect, complete, fully restored as your father in heaven is perfect, Matthew 5, verse 48. You see, the lack that they have is they lack the covering that living by the chen, the ratzon, the grace of Torah brings which is Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, the sinner's prayer. So they stand really without wedding garments as half-brothers and half-sisters. They come through, but they're not washed through with the Torah of grace. Restoration then is only complete for one in ten, because it is a narrow road. And many will come to me at the end of the day. They say, Master, we did signs and wonders and miracles. And they say, wait, I, I knew you not. You workers of A, without, nomia Torah. So you can see. To really be intimate with Joseph means that you come to a mature relationship with the Father. Because when Judah shows true repentance, it's because the love of the Father. And we now know Yahuwah because of the Son. And if we want to be intimate with the Father and Son who are in eternity, then we have to touch eternity by living in the present. Because I cannot be intimate with the Father when I think about yesterday Or when I imagine what could happen tomorrow, then I lose all power to be everything that I'm supposed to be, and so do you. Verse 24, so he sent his brethren away, and they departed, and he said unto them, see that ye fall not out by the way. This is always the temptation, isn't it? This always the blooming temptation. Once we have encountered Yahusha, then we start to go about our lives. Then we start to go on this pilgrimage through life with all of its distractions. But we have to stay on guard not to fall out by the wayside. This is the admonition that Yahusha gave us in the parable of the sower. You've just had an intimate relationship with Yahusha, with Ben Yosef, and now you're going to go, and he says what? See that you fall not out by the way, the cares of the world. And the world will always have you thinking about tomorrow and yesterday. Tomorrow and yesterday. Tomorrow, well, you know, this is that in the past, the, 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 and the future. <laughs> Yahusha and Yahuwah are not there because they are in eternity. And the only place that you can touch eternity is right now. Presently. Presently. Verse 25 And they went up out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. You see, Joseph is risen. He has risen from the dead. He has conquered the grave. He has mastered death. And he has defeated the prince of this world. There's the metaphor. It's everywhere. Verse 28, And Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. You see, all Israel must see the son is alive and risen, or else Israel's vine will wither and die and be cast in the fire. Romans 11. Chapter 46, and the first verse, It is written, And Israel took his journey with all that he had, and he came to Beersheba. And he offered sacrifices unto Yahuwah and the Yahuwah of his father Yitzhak Isaac. And Yahuwah spake unto Israel in the visions of the night and said, Yaakov, Yaakov, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Hineni, here I am. For me, I have found. For me to get back my visions in the night, I have had to shut out the media and the news of this world. You see, input from the world interrupts with my closeness to Joseph and his father. Because input from the world takes me out of the present. The news is always about what happened yesterday and what's going to happen, everybody thinks, tomorrow. I can't do it anymore. I can read the scriptures and people will say, well, that's all about yesterday or it's all about tomorrow. But when you read the scriptures, it's present because the power of the Holy Spirit is present and the life of the scriptures is alive right there and then. Even though the scriptures are historical and prophetic, but it compounds together. The spirit draws you into the presence of Yahuwah eternally. It's the only writing in the whole of humankind that does that because it's Yah-breathed. Yah-breathed scripture. Verse 3, and he said, I am Yahuwah, the Yahuwah of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt. For I will there make of thee a great nation. And I will go down with thee into Egypt. And I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. We all have to overcome fear. Jacob was still struggling with fear. Fear of the world. But if we fear the world, it will inhibit us. And as I say, the world is always about the past and the future. I will be there. I will be there wherever there is. Which is where? Present. I will be with thee. That's the son's promise. That's Yahweh's promise. That he'll be with you in your problems presently. If you have them presently, but most of the time we don't have any problems presently. Because even presently, when you're in the mire, you're thinking that it's going to get a whole lot worse because of what happened in the past. And presently, it's not that bad. Chapter 47, verse 8. And Pharaoh said unto Yaakov Jacob, How many are the days of the years of thy life? And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, And this is one of my favorite verses in Scripture. I just love the language of it. I love it. And the days of the years of my pilgrimage are a hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. I love that verse. Why do I love that? I'm not alone. I'm not alone, if I'm honest. If I'm honest. And if you're truly honest, you'll realize that you're not alone. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. And this one I can camp on. I can camp on, and yes, I do like to get melancholy sometimes. I mean, that's just a, I don't know, something from the past. (laughs) Ah! History, though, think about it. Think about it. I love to read history. Those of you that have been with Torah to the tribes for a long time, they know this. But history is largely a record of crime, of war, of disease, and terror, is it not? History is largely a record of that. We've been bombarded with this more so in the 20th century and even more so post 9-11 and, of course, current COVID. The world has found itself with just sufficient happiness Interpose to give them while it lasts an agonizing hope of, Oh, I don't want to lose it, I don't want to lose it again. And when it is lost, as it always is lost, you get the poignant memory of remembering what you once had. So happiness is interspersed amongst all this. And this is what Joseph, this is what Jacob, excuse me, is saying. You see, now and every now and then, The world will be able to improve their condition just just a little bit. I'm just going to get a little bit better. But then always that's built on false hopes and false promises. You see, Joseph is the only lasting happiness. True joy and the cure for just sufficient happiness. Because just sufficient happiness is all that this world can offer you and I. Just sufficient happiness. Because while it lasts, there's always this present, this agonizing hope, but then you're kind of afraid of losing it again. And when it is lost, which it always is, then you're stuck with the poignant memory of remembering what you had, but you lost it, and then you're going to try and regain it. And then you're thinking about the future of what you want and the remembrance of what you had in the past. That's this world. And that's what Jacob is saying. That is not the life for us. Once you encounter Joseph, you're free from that. It's present. It's present. It's present. Chapter 47 and verse 12. And Joseph nourished his father and his brethren and all of his father's household with bread according to their families. Because ultimately we know that Moshiach ben Yosef, he nourishes us. He is the bread man of life. And he's the miracle worker in our lives. We skip down to chapter 47 and the 26th verse where it is written, Only the land of the priests alone became not Pharaoh's. And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they got their possessions therein and were fruitful, and they multiplied exceedingly. So as we draw near and draw to the close of this Torah portion, I see that Judah teaches us not to remain distant, but to truly come close. Because Joseph is all about drawing close. The intimacy with the son draws us to an intimacy with the father, and it draws us relationary intimacy with one another, because we live in the present. Because Joseph and the father has destined us for eternity. And if we are of the sons, then we are eternally of the fathers. Therefore, we are called to live in the present so we can commune with eternity. He wants us to be drawn close, and there are only two aspects of that. Everything else will cause us to remain distant. So we must draw close, number one, to eternity itself. And number two... We must draw close to the present for the present allows us to touch eternity. And of this present moment and it only, we have an experience parallel to the experience of Mashiach ben Yosef and his father Yahweh, And that's their reality as a whole because they are in eternity And we can access that presently. Not in the past, not in the future. So think about this in conclusion. We need to continually be concerned with one of two things. It's a very simple life. This is my commitment to my family, to my faith, is that I want to be continually concerned with either... Eternity, which is being concerned with the Son and the Father, or the present, which means reflecting on either eternal union or separation from the Son and the Father. Because everything I presently do is either going to bring me into eternal union or it could cause separation. That's the wonder of the commandments of Yahweh. They're present. And they allow us to draw closer by keeping them to eternity. And it's a present choice. It's a pre- I will keep the Shabbat today. It's a present choice. I will not do that. It's a present choice. Not tomorrow, not yet. It's, pre- it's a present choice. And it will cause us to be more intimate. We. Make a conscious decision presently to obey the voice of conviction, of conscience. The Ruach HaKodesh bearing the present suffering. I shall bear this present suffering. I shall receive this present grace. I shall give thanks for this present food. I shall give thanks for this present company. I shall give thanks for this present provision. I shall keep this present commandment. Do you see? Pharaoh's job, the world's job, is to get us all away from the present, to live in the past, to worry about the future. Inflame your lusts of hope. Inflame your fears. Because the future is unknown to us. It's kind of scary. And when we dwell on it, we dwell on unrealities. It's not real. It's not real. So the future is, of all things, the thing least like eternity. Oh, well, I'm going to go do this. And if you don't do this, this is going to happen to you. And then what we're going to do is we're going to do this. And this is going to happen. Are you God? Oh man, oh foolish man, you have no idea. But that is how the world lives. Oh, we're going to be doing this, and then and then this, and if you don't do that. These people, they are living in insane land. They're not living in the present, because in the present, I am with the eternal Yahweh, which makes me able to do miraculous things. It's supernatural. The thing least like eternity is the future. It is the most completely temporal part of life. The past is frozen. It no longer flows. It no longer flows. The present is fluid. It can be shaped, it can be changed by your powerful actions of commune with the Father and Son touching eternity. The future is the very core of temporality and fear, which is why the world is always talking about the future. Well, we're going to go do this, and this is... Let them live there because today, presently, I am blessed and redeemed. And when Paul was in chains and in irons, he rejoiced because presently, right then and there, he was still communing with the Father. Oh, and they they would try and get him to fear about the future and oh well you know what happened back to you at Caesarea. But no, Paul didn't live that life, did he? He was presently with the Son and the Father. Nearly all sins, think about it, nearly all sins are rooted in the future. Gratitude. Well that looks to the past. I'm so great. You know that person, what they did to me. I'm so... So gratitude looks to the past. Love. Well, love. That's all about the... Oh, I am so in love. Right? That is present. Fear. Anxiety. Ambition. Greed. Lust. All look ahead. And when you actually attain any of those grand disappointment. Why? Because it's no longer future. It's present and it's mucky. Right? Sin is so enticing because it's not present. It's a future. But when you arrive there and you're in it, it disappoints. That is why there are addicts. They always have to chase it. They're always chasing it. Back in my day, they used to call it chasing the dragon, right? They were always chasing it. But once you actually arrived and had attained it presently, it was hugely disappointing. So then you'd be chasing it. It's the chase because fear and disillusionment Sin is the greatest, greatest thing rooted in the future. It always looks forward. It always looks forward. Gratitude always looks back. But intimacy, shalom, that surpasses all understanding, is present with the Father. Moshiach ben Yosef, the son and Yahweh, our father calls us to come close into his presence because in the present we touch his presence because they are in eternity, the ekad plurality of one and eternity lives presently today in you and I and that is experiencing Moshiach ben Yosef. Today and today, the writer of Hebrews says in the 4th chapter and the 7th verse, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. In the 5th chapter and the 5th verse, The father who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. It's all about the present. And when Judah drew close to Joseph, that's when everything changed. He lived presently and he was able to intercede. That's the life for you and I. I pray that today encouraged you, it encouraged me this week in my meditations for sure. Let's see what you got to say in the chit-chat. If you want me to uh, catch you in the chit-chat, redline me here and uh, I'll refresh my screen. While you guys put something up in the chat, I pray. Let's see, hang on a second. Okay. not sure if I'm on the right stream or not give me a second here Oh, it's called maquettes at the end of. What's up with that? I think there's two streams going, maybe. Hmm. Give me a second here, people. Give me a second here. Let me try and navigate through my uh, settings here on YouTube. Give me a second. I will be right with you. I've got to get on the right stream. Maybe I've got two streams going. Oh, yeah, okay, so... You guys went live on the maquettes at the end of. Okay, so that's where we're at, but we'll change it after. We're actually Gash, but um, you went live on maquettes. Does that make sense from last week? Okay, they're nodding. Okay, I'm going to jump on over to maquettes. Um, We'll change the title just to really confuse you if you're watching this later. Give me a second. Okay, okay, all right. Ah, there I am. Oh, where did I go? Hang on a second. It's confusing. All right, okay, here we go. Give me a second, people. It's live. That's what happens. We did have two streams going. That's better. All right. Mary Trotter, Shabbat Shalom. Mary, how are you? The past is like salt. You know, when Lot's wife looked back, if you live in your past, you, mu- you can't move forward. Very good, Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. That's right. Lev, Matthew, can you tell us a bit about how and who led you to Torah? Oh, I could do. Yes. You know, um, I don't want to get, you know, make it a long, drawn-out story. But I was already, my wife and I were already struggling and shuffling. I was shuffling in my Sunday church seat, because at some point, my home reading of the scriptures had become more than the pastor that was teaching me, and me being a big questioner on the Sunday sermons, the pastor would you know start doing a, a teaching and read some verses and then stop, and I would continue reading, and I'd be nudging my wife next to me in the church pew, and I'd be like, but it doesn't say that, and my wife would be like, stop it embarrassing me and I would like well look he's saying this and it's, it doesn't say that and she's like well if you don't want to come then you shouldn't come but you're embarrassing me you know so that started the rub okay and then and then one time it was Christmas Day okay and um, we'd already were like now ah, we're not doing a tree okay we didn't have any children and we're sitting there and we've got all this food It's just me and my wife, you know, cooked up this big Christmas lunch and everything. And we just just about to sit down, eat it all, and we just looked at one another and we're like Oh this is so just carnal and why we you know? And we packed it all up in paper plates and we went downtown Salem and we just gave it away to people on the streets but I don't want to do this this is all about me this is this has got nothing to do with the faith and that was the last christmas we ever had and then from there i had this salon in down, downtown and this old lady came in one day and i did her hair and she started talking to me about the torah and it was like i was right there but i wasn't you know i always i was all i already had been questioning I was questioning everything, and then she started putting the piece, and I was like, what? And that was it. Boom. That was everything. So I went back to church the next week, and I was an elder at that time, and I was in an elder's like meeting in the morning. There were about 12 of us. Funny that, right? And the pastor was sitting there, and all the little, you know, everybody's sycophants were sitting there going along with everything. And they, would, they, would, they were going through the book of Hebrews. And I just kind of sheepishly put my hand up and I said, but it doesn't say that. I said, do you realize that the, that word is in italics? I said, because it's not covenant. That's, that's been inserted by the translators. The whole context of the book of Hebrews is priesthood and transference. And they just looked at me like, what? What? how dare you question the pastor? And I was like, well, can you turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 17? And when I did that, it was like the seas parted. And they all looked at me like, how, what are you doing questioning the pastor? So he dismissed everybody, and the pastor took me aside, and he looked at me and he said, Matthew, what are you doing? You are like a son to me what are you doing I said look I said I haven't studied it I said but I I just don't feel right about the pre-tribulation rapture I don't believe that anymore and I said and I don't think we should be teaching against the laws of Moses either and he's like what are you doing I said look I I just I just can't do this anymore And he's like, well, we were willing to help you get a church together and da 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 da. I said, I can't do it. And that was my moment right there. I could have gone along with the system and I could have been a pastor of a church, but I couldn't. I knew. I knew I couldn't. I just knew it at that point. I had crossed the Rubicon. I had crossed the Red Sea into the Torah zone. And then I got crazy. For about a decade as a super radical messianic so there you go there's my long-winded story ellie you most probably hoped you um wished if there was such a thing which we don't believe in that that you hadn't asked that question but that's what you got so there you go anyway arc angle welding Limited liability company. Matthew, Shabbat Shalom, brother. What do you think about the Dead Sea Scrolls? They con, they confuse me. They confuse me, and I'm on the fence. So set me straight, blessings, brother. You know, the Dead Sea Scrolls are historical um, um, books, and it's 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 good, good research. I mean, I have I have them at home, um, and um, I have read the War Scrolls and. Um, many of the scrolls it's been a long long time and um i prefer to be in the word myself after all of that i spent many years delving around in that stuff and it'll take you into lots of extra biblical books you'll be into enoch and jubilees and you'll go down the wormhole and and you know what okay it gets you into higher learning and there is so much to learn in the scriptures for me I just want to be in the word and when I say the word I'm in the 66 you know I'm in the word I'm in the word and I like to check the translations and I like to meditate that's just where I am but I spent many years gaining knowledge but at the end of the day it's the power of the living word it's supernatural the Dead Sea Scrolls are not supernatural they are not inspired. They are not Yah-breathed. They're a work of man. At this point in my life, I want to be with the work of Yahuwah and His Son and the power of the Ruach HaKodesh. And that's in the 66. That's me and love me or hate me, but you better get your Marmite in the morning. That's all I'm saying. Baruch Hashem, Yahweh, Libby tube, Shabbat shalom. Libby's favorite verse is Isaiah 41 verse 10. Turn, give me that scripture, Isaiah 41, verse 10, John, and um, read that to me when you are ready. Giant killer, thank you so much for a great word, brother. It was much needed. I've been stuck in my past mistakes lately. Instead of focusing on my present blessings, yes, Baruch Hashem, Yahweh. We're starting to think about the future. All for naught. We don't want to be there. Truth-like Velcro, Shabbat Shalom, ice, water, vapor. The past is frozen, the present is fluid, and tomorrow is a vapor like our lives are only a vapor. Tomorrow is not promised, it is exactly. And you look around, look around. Right before me. I feel reborn, reborn, brethren, reborn. Reborn. Therefore, giant killer, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day is enough trouble of its own. It does, doesn't it? Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Yes. 41.10. Give him a microphone, Moshe. It's good to have you back again. It is. But my brother john who has uh we haven't seen each other in how many years would you say about four and, a half. four and a half, yeah but it's good to have you back give us a give us give us the word my man give us the word then Yishmael carried away captive all the remnant of the people that were in mizpah even the king's daughters and all the people that remained in Mizpah, whom never, never redeemed, the captain of the guard had committed to Godol Yahu, the son of Achanem. and Yishmael, son of Nephanyahu, carried them away captive, departed to go over. To, to um, um, What what book and chapter are you in? 41. What's your, what book? Jeremiah. Oh, I was going to say, that's not sounding like Isaiah to okay, me. That's what oh, okay, saying. okay. And what transla- that's, my, that's my fault. That's all that's right. So you're in Jeremiah, but that was yeah, fun. What, what translation are you doing? Now everybody online is going to go, what translation was he using? No, was, Which one? The oh, you're reading the Sefer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's going to upset a bunch of brethren here. <laughs> <We> are, okay. <laughs> Oh my goodness, he mentioned a sefer. Kevin Niebling, Shabbat Shalom. He says, immediately after I was delivered and born again through this thought, I knew that enduring in the now would be one of the most difficult things for believers. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Libby says, praise Yah. Matthew chose the royal line instead of the party line. Matthew has always... um, Chosen, Dad, thank you, the royal line, since, since the born-again life with me. Never the party line. Now, Teresa Smith, The Torah Zone. In fact, uh, that's a Lou White book. Oh, I, I think I'm, uh, I'm getting some feedback. Maybe turn that mic off there, John. I think you've got it right next to your phone there. Yeah, all that 5G banging around in my ear holes is not going to be good, let me tell you. Yes, Chris De La Rosa, the party line, meets at Red Lobster. Oh, my goodness, doesn't it? I mean, when, I used to, when we used to get them out, my children are going to be absolutely outraged, of course. This was before I had children. But, I mean, my wife and I would finish Calvary Chapel, as you always would on a Sunday, and then you'd, you'd go to Bloomin' Red Lobster. I remember one time going round there with my wife you know we were in our early 20s and we ordered the, the big crab plate you know and I had, I most probably been riding my bicycle like I always did before church and I would sometimes ride my bicycle to church but my wife put that put the kibosh on that real quick and I would be super hungry and I remember throwing down a ton of money I can't remember what it was for this big crab plate you know and they give you all this stuff to I mean to try and break into this stuff for like a little shrivel of so somewhat flesh by the time you broke into it got it down your gullet and you ate it you you had expanded so many calories and so much energy trying to get what little bit of flesh there was that you were i could have spent like 10 hours in there and left hungry so i mean that's just the way of the egyptians it just doesn't work well and then it wasn't long after that that my appendix burst and i nearly died which i'm just i'm just going to count that all up to living in egypt and consequently. of not being taught the dietary commandments my body just needed to be purged of all that poison so anyway good night look at me just banging on like an old kettle drum giant killer forget the former things do not dwell on the past see I am doing a new thing Isaiah 43 verses 18 through 19. That's it. That's it. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. All right. Let's see. Chris De La Rosa, if you want to work for your food, go hunt. Don't eat eat a sea roach. <laughs> that's what they are, sea roaches. Yeah, really, really. Oh, I used to. Yeah, when I, I remember, I had this apartment. I'm just telling stories at this point. You you know, people are like, what is he going on about? But anyway, that's that's what's happening with my train of thought right now. I I mean, it just shows you how much you've changed. I had this apartment once. And um, I had this stove in there. And um, every time you put the stove on, I mean, hundreds of cockroaches would just come out because of the heat. And they would just come out all over the stove and then disperse into the various cracks in the wall. I never did anything about it. I just lived like that, you know, because I never saw them at all until I put the stove on. Well, I used to eat out most of the time because I was a single guy. So it really didn't bother me. And it was just like one of those things you did. You just pushed in the gas stove and ignited it, you know, to cook your soup or something. And you just stand back, let them do their thing, and they all scurried and dissipated into the walls. And you'd have dinner. You wouldn't think about it. I wouldn't think about it for days until I next heated up some, you know, soup or whatever it was. <laughs> I never did eat those things, thank goodness. But you know, somebody said sea roaches. See, that's what happens with my mind, brethren. The filters of the sea, says Giant Killer. He's got some nice emojis there. All right, all right. Enough, enough folly. Well, it was a serious teaching, you see. There's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. So now I'm I'm releasing and 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 enjoying. Um, The fellowship with the brethren in the present right here on the live chat. If you do have a serious um, um, scripture or a truth or a question, then now is your opportunity to put it up in the chat. Otherwise, we will bounce and catch you next Shabbat. The Libby Tube says then you will lose your appetite. Right. See, now I've got you all on sea roaches, sea scorpions. You see how easy it is? See? Crystal Rosa. Now we're going to be talking about roaches. You see, I cannot do it. See, you guys? We're all so juvenile, aren't we? Well, we were in the Word and studying and being serious. You needed a little bit of relief. A relief from the intensity, possibly. Possibly, possibly. Renar Ephraim that's a great name Renar Renan, Renanar Ephraim Renanar Ephraim thank you for following the most high and obeying his will Baruch Hashem, Yahweh and thank you Renanar Ephraim for tuning in today and RJK says Matthew your thoughts on the man- <laughs> No I am not going to get into the Mandela effect Right now, I've already spent enough time on shrimp and lobster for crying out loud. We're not going to get into another train of of, of of Matthew going off on crazy thoughts. All right, we do have um, Annette Watson has a question, Matthew. What do you think the the book of First Enoch and Yasha were left out of the canon? I'm glad they're left out of the canon. Um, I have I've got both of those at home, and again, you know. You can read there. There's there's many things to read. And the book of Jasher is a great book to read alongside the book of Genesis. Bereshit. it's fabulous. And Exodus, Shemot, it's excellent. But I'm glad it's not in the scripture. Um, I don't think it's inspired because um, it's just historical. And um, it's not all absolutely true. Megan says in Isaiah 41 verse 10, Oh, this is what we were looking for earlier, John. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not look around, for I am your Elohim. I shall strengthen you. I shall also help you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. Don't look around. Stay in the present. So thank you, Megan. And thank you all. Blessings and honor upon you this Sabbath. Let's all commit to staying in the present and touching eternity where we can commune with the Father and the Blessed Son, the life of Joseph. Stay present, presently, greet one another and stay in the shalom. That only comes from living in the present and touching eternity. And Shabbat Shalom to all of you.